ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 62, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. Tonight, we play Who's That Band, Lester Bang style. We judge grunge through bracketology, and we're going to review Mushroom Heads, A Wonderful Life. I'm your host, Foggy. With me, as always, is JPP. Easy listening sounds for the hard of hearing. It's JPP. Greetings. How's it going? That does not compute. (laughs) (laughs) I agree that we all don't have that. (laughs) And joining us also is Teabags. Swinging deep into the valleys of Liptonia. That's nasty. Able to plunge from high altitudes only to land with a gentle splat. That's nasty. Receiving only the finest education from his instructor, Earl Grey. It's... It's... T-Bags. Too hot for TV. What's up? How's everybody doing? Well, thank you. And rounding out the cast tonight is the king himself, the educator, Joe Rife. Here we are. Here I am. We just did a mini-sode. I feel like we just did this, right? We just were fresh yeah. up the mini-sode the other day. So. We just dermated. Yeah, I could do so. this. That's all right. I'd see a doctor for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good oh, to be here, gracious. Well, welcome, yeah. fellas. To Can you believe we're at 62? Yeah. Man. Yeah. It goes fast. It does. That's a lot of music listened to, but it, how is that any different from my life anyway? I'm always listening to music, so correct. Now, now I just talk mm-hmm. about it with a bunch of people. There you go. This is true. So, what is new in the uh, music world, Paul? I found a group. It's funny. There was an ad that popped up in stories, and this tune was on there, and I'm like, I must find it. And lo and behold, I found it through YouTube comments. Somebody said, if you're looking for the song, it is this. Uh, the song's called The Bottom by a band called Michelle. Sounds like they're based out of New York. Uh, it's a group of several singers, and there's maybe one or two guys that are kind of doing the utilities in the background with guitars, drums, keyboards, drum machine, all that fun stuff. And the studio version of the song was really cool. It's real fun. Kind of reminded me of MGMT with a little bit of the quirkiness to it. Uh, it was kind of raw, but had a nice groove and catchy, but still infectious in a good way. Then through looking for it, I was like, well, I'll see if I can find a, a, an official music video. They had a lyric video that was interesting, but then there was a live performance of it where instead of having <clears throat> guitar and bass in it, they just had... Uh, two guys doing drum machine, Moog bass, and synth for the accompaniment. And then all four of the, the ladies up front were, uh, one was singing the main part, and then the others were harmonizing with her. Kind of a different take on the tune, and I loved it 10 times more than the original. So mm-hmm. I'll put a link in the show notes to check it out. It's a lot of fun. It looks like it's been out for a little while. I don't think it was. it's more than a year, but it's really fresh and a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. I can't wait to check that out. Definitely. It's uh, and that was the one thing that kind of fired me up about it was the fact that, you know, they're young musicians and just seeing them be very excited about performing the music kind of brought me back to when I first started playing and, and you know, where I was when I was just always fired up and just excited to have moments before me to be able to do it. And it just kind of took me back to those years. And it's like, man, I'd like to do that again, for sure. But, you know, have, at least have uh, less aches and pains and well. You know, we're on episode 62. We won't make any more age jokes here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is episode 62, not age 62. So 
Well, we're going to get into wrong. it. We're going to jump right into uh, Lester Bangs Inspired Challenge. And JPP, you have that this week. I do. Let's, uh, let's do a little uh, summary here. Driven by the strength of two UK number one singles, Blank helped launch this band into the commercial stratosphere, building on the strength of their 1978 debut the second album marked a slight change in the band's sound with a more polished and refined production of, of their energe energetic musical performances. The album's title loosely translates to blah, blah, I won't uh, give away too much here, a label which actually describes the core of the group's signature sound but falls short of touching on the depth of their influences. In 1976, their American drummer was playing in a British prog rock band called Curved Air when he met former school teacher turned musician uh, professionally known as blank the two jammed and contemplated starting a punk rock band with a guitarist the trio toured the uk as a supporting act and even recorded a single in 1977. later that year drummer and singer merged with two members of a band called strontium 90. about a decade older than the other musicians they had much more music industry experience dating back well into the 60s and after some live gigs the band paired back to a trio with the singer composing original material the drummer's older brother helped finance their first album released in 78 on the strength of their single the group got signed with a m records and the later hit sparked the group's first tour of the usa genesis no, but that is a valid guess. Is this uh, is Depeche Mode old enough to do that? No, um, they. I think they came around early '80s. They were kind of okay. off the the wave of uh, like post punk, new wave era, that sort of thing. Gotcha. And I think they were a quartet, pretty mu pretty much. Um, I can remember. I know David and Martin, but I can't remember how many others. Sure. Okay. Uh, the police. Bing, Bing, Bing! You got it. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I'm going for Monday's crown. The kids <laughs> on fire. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was kind of tough to read through because it kept saying Copeland and Sting so much right. in the paragraph. I'm like, no, uh, this guy. So <laughs> trying to transpose on the fly. But yeah, that was it. So yeah, apparently Stuart Copeland's brother, um, Miles Copeland, helped finance their first album and then uh on the strength of Roxanne, they got the group signed with AM Records and later hit can't stand losing spark the group's first tour of the usa yeah. in the timeline i wouldn't but yeah my first thing with genesis with you, you the drummer who might sing who you know and then you think oh, okay mm -hmm. gabriel and yeah so. yeah and that's the part i blanked out it said their their album uh loosely translated to the title true loosely translated to white reggae it's like oh that would be a dead giveaway yes <laughs> uh -huh. yeah very good Right on. Nice. All right. And uh, next week, I have no idea who has the uh, Lester Bangs Challenge. So I'm just going to say Joe has it, and okay. uh, we're going to run with it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I haven't done it in a while. Well, it's got to be you or Monday. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, well, we have a big challenge tonight. So we're going to get right after it because uh, we're going all March Madness on us here. We're doing some bracketology. And mm -hmm. uh, it's the challenge from Tea Bags. Yeah, so I did a Battle of the Bands grunge edition for our bracket. A uh, few rules before we get started. Uh, we're going to go around in the same order every time. So we'll go 
Paul D, JPP, and then Joe, and then me. And uh, you can just either place your vote or you can say a couple things. We'll try to keep them brief. Um, and then we'll see which one moves on. If there's a tie in the first round, I have Monday's answer, so we'll use that tiebreaker. And then we'll kind of play it from there on the way on the way to the winner. If we have ties, um, I do have Kyle's version of the whole thing. So if his if his answers make sense, then we'll put them in there. If not, then we're just going to have veto power, and it'll be in the same order that we're that we're going in for commenting. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. Um, my criteria for picking the bands or the songs that the bands had, that song had to exist in the 90s, um, had to be kind of labeled grunge. I cross-referenced a bunch of magazines on their top you know, 50 grunge bands or whatever. And, um, and then I went back to Spotify and looked at like playlist, play numbers. So I tried to pick from their top three most played songs. So are you guys ready? Dude, I'm excited. I'm ready. Okay. I have to say up front, thank you for all the homework that you did. This is going to be fun, I think. <laughs> well, the, the framework is there for us to do a lot of different ways, so hopefully we'll put it back if we have fun tonight. We may hate it. We may never bring it back. No. We'll see. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to share my screen here. Can you guys see that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, portion of it, yes. Well, yeah, I, I'll scroll down and around. I didn't want you to see the whole bracket. Up okay, front. yeah, good deal. Yeah, it makes sense now. Yeah, so, um, like I said, Stevie, you'll kick us off with the first round. It is, and I did this on purpose. I wanted to put uh, Kurt and Courtney against each other. So, Nirvana smells like Team Spirit against Holes Celebrity Skin. Well, I think Billy helped write part of Holes, so that would give it an advantage. But no, smells like Team Spirit is my choice. Okay. Paul? I'm going to smell like Teen Spirit myself. <laughs> nice. <laughs> this is new deodorant. Nope. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Smells Like Teen Spirit as well. Okay, so this one is unanimous. We will move them over. Okay. I don't think that's a shocker. Um, no, that's a that's a UNC Old Dominion type game. That's a you know that's, that's number, number one. That's a sixteen one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I tried to put it that way. So we have a few of those. Win the games you're supposed to. For sure. <laughs> All right, Stevie, Babes in Toyland, uh, Bruised Violet Track, or Smashing Pumpkins, nineteen seventy nine. Uh, you know me. Um, <laughs> pumpkins are one of my top three. So nineteen seventy nine. Okay. Cool. I love Babes in Toyland. Saw them live with White Zombie and Caius years ago. I really enjoyed that set, but I'm going to have to go with Corgan and crew just because, you know, Pisces Iscariot has some nice raw stuff going on on there and, you know, just very enjoyable B-side stuff from them. Yeah. Nicely done. Okay. Joe? Out of all the pumpkin songs, I think this is one of my favorites. So I got to go with 1979. Yes. That's another unanimous one. What's funny is on Spotify, um, obviously bullet with butterfly wings was right up there too, but I kind of wanted to pit something slower against uh, that bruised violet. So I like, I like Babes in Toyland as well, but um, we will move this one on as well. Yeah. Was that Better? a highly ranked pumpkin song? It was, I think the top one. Are you serious? That's not even in my top 20. 
<laughs> well, I think Spotify, I mean, it's the, the, the net is a lot wider. So it's probably a lot of people that don't necessarily love the band, but love one song. So, um, oh. yeah, I don't know, but that's how it came out. I'm looking ahead and I hate you. I guess work as you go. So yeah. But, all right. So that we have the audio for this, Stevie. It's Soundgarden Black Hole Sun versus Melvin's Honey Bucket. I'm going with Black Hole Sun. Love that song. It's one of my all favorites right. from them. Yeah, me too. Paul? You you drive a hard bargain here because <laughs> Black Hole Sun is a great tune. Melvin's is also a fave and I'm going to go with the Melvins only because I saw the video for Black Hole Sun probably 20 times a day waiting for something else to play in rotation. <laughs> and so Melvins didn't get enough of that airplay. So I want to show them some love. That a boy. All right. Um, Joe. Black Hole Sun. Yeah. I, I, didn't, uh, have, I didn't have MTV like Paul. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this one was tough for me too because I really like the Melvin sound, and I feel like it's one of those things where the Melvins probably inspired some of these people. Mm -hmm. um, but Soundgarden was one of those like I wanted to grow my hair like Chris Cornell, and I wanted, to, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, I want to be like them. And uh, Black Hole Sun is a fantastic song, so we'll move them on as well. Cool. And Joe, to your point, you didn't have MTV like me. I don't want to rub it in, but my parents had one of those large satellite dishes that took a half oh. hour to change transponders. <laughs> and so we had MTV East and West. So not oh, only did I see damn. it 20 times on the East feed, I saw it 20 times on the West feed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, Steve. I, I think this is another hard one, but um, you, you may not. Temple of the Dog, Hunger Strike versus Stone Temple Pilot X type thing. All right, this is brutally tough, but I'm gonna tell you right now yeah. that Hunger Strike is Phi Slamma Jamma. Stone Temple Pilots, North Carolina State, and Jimmy V. I'm going with Stone Temple Pilot X type thing because oh, they didn't have man. to put together a dream team <laughs> to put it together, and it's an amazing song. Stands up today just as it did when it came out, so I'm going with that one. And I'm just telling you, it temp hunger strike against just about anything else on their wins, but uh, got to go with the underdog here. Okay, fair enough. JPP. Again, this one's kind of a. Uh, I'm torn. I'm at the crossroads. Stone Temple Pilots. That's a badass guitar tone in that in that song. I remember seeing that video for the first time and hearing that huge tone hit me right in the face with those drums and. You know, not to mention, oh, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, just really mm -hmm. great dynamic performance. But I'm going to go with Hunger Strike because that's the first time I heard Chris Cornell get so high in his range. And I thought that is not humanly possible. And, <laughs> you know, that was a song that at the time I loved everything heavy, but it was such mm -hmm. a far cry from everything I normally listen to that. I mean, it seriously brought goosebumps to me and, you know, hair raising studio track and so for that sentiment by itself it narrowly wins all right so it's one to one joe i want to i'm going to vote for temple of the dog too but i i'm almost i almost voted for sex type thing because i was humming that song the other day i was doing some shopping and you know you ever have like a random song that you haven't heard for like five years just all of a sudden pop in your head <laughs> oh yeah I'm, I'm getting out of my car and all of a sudden i'm like 
I shouldn't have worn that dress. And I'm like, <laughs> where did that come from? Yeah. I was just going to Walmart. I mean, <laughs> he, went to, he went to Joe's secret. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe's on the way was, to the drag show. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I don't. I didn't like encore. I didn't like that tune compared to some of the other ones. So, um, if, if Cracker Man was on there, maybe I'd choose that one. But um, and now what we've done is we've set up the the battle of, uh, like Paul mentioned, the battle of the background vocals. They're both Cornell, but Black Hole Sun and Temple of the Dog both have these like up in the stratosphere Cornell background vocals at some point. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, so you your vote though was Temple of the Dog, right? Yes, Temple of the Dog, right? Okay, yeah, and this was really tough for me. Um, I was going to put Plush on there, but Sex Type mm. thing had so many more plays. Uh, but I thought Plush and Hunger Strike both being slow, I felt like Temple of the Dog would would win out on that one easily. And I, I'm only going with Temple of the Dog from my experience, which was. And we talk about this a lot on the show. When you hear a song and you, and you just flash back to that, I heard it on tape ahead of time. I think uh, one of my friends at Karma had it, and it was at night in a parking lot, <laughs> and before it even came out. And I just couldn't believe like these two people that you know that we love kind of came together, and or these two bands. And so I'm just going based on memory. I love both of them probably equally. So we'll move Temple of the Dog on. So nice. what I hear right now is that you guys hate Jim Balvano. So uh, that's all I can take away from this. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Just curious, uh, what did Mundy pick there? Uh, Stone Temple Pilots. My guy. All right, let's yep. move yeah. on. Yeah. So if we, if we would have tied, uh, Mundy would have picked it. And I'm not looking at Mundy's ahead of time until we get to the oh, tie. Cool. I just checked. Okay. Yeah, cool. That was. I can't imagine a harder choice that we're going to see. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a couple. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I know. That's brutal though. That was so good. And Joe, you know how you said you had sex type things stuck in your head randomly. I, I still get dead and bloated randomly stuck in my head at times. Oh, I'm like, yeah. oh man, is that foretelling? Yeah. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Stunt Temple Pilots had the follow-up album in the 90s that was really good too. So mm -hmm. yep. Um, okay. We're moving on to the West Coast, I guess. Um, Pearl Jam Live versus Mud Honey Suck You Dry. I got to go with Pearl Jam. Uh, I just remember when that record came out, it sounded like nothing else that was out at the time. And uh, it changed the way I listened to music, probably in the late 80s, early 90s. So mm -hmm. uh, that's my choice, PJ. Okay. JPP? <clears throat> that's a tough one, too, because I love me some Jay Mascus and Mud Honey. I say Jay Mascus, but I always think of him. I, he's in Dinosaur Jr., though, isn't nice. he? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, but I, I always associate like I heard Dinosaur Jr. and Mud Honey pretty much like consecutively that same day. So I, my mind gets all crisscrossed. So sorry about that, Internet. But um, I'm going to go with Pearl Jam, too. Um, nothing against the underdogs. I certainly tend to appreciate those more. But I remember hearing that song, let alone that album, and really kind of feeling a, a some i guess fresh vibes from that because i remember a lot of the some of the alternative stuff that was coming out was using more streamlined basic chords and things and and being a little more ar arbitrary with their like 
lack of tonality kind of on purpose, but these guys delivered something very flavorful, very full and very creative. The whole album was very dynamic. So Pearl Jam. Okay. Well, Joe, do we need to ask you? No, I'm mud honey has Cinderella. He's going and Pearl Jam was just too strong. They just, they had too many weapons. Uh, you know, deep like bench it. on ten. You know, for a debut album. Yeah. Uh, you know, no, no lie. I've been there, done that, got the tattoo. But like, um, there is when that riff fires up on the studio album. Man, the hairs stand up on the back of my neck. And then he sings. And then they did. Uh, they did the. They didn't necessarily do the Nirvana. Uh, quiet, loud, quiet, you know, kind of dynamic or loud, quiet, however Nirvana did it. Um, but they had a way of writing these, you know, rock anthems that that had these parts. And of course, there's a there's a huge story behind Alive and the origins of Pearl Jam. That song was a huge part of it. So um, it's just, it's a powerful song all the way around. And there's just so many moments, moments where, like I said, the hair just stands up on the back of your neck. It's just so good all the way around. Mm-hmm. But I love my honey. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm the same way. I love my honey, and it was it, this was a 16-1 C type thing again. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Pearl Jam, even to this day, if you catch it on the radio or if it's in your playlist or something, that it it is so iconic when that start, song starts up, and then all that, like you said, that soft part, you know, uh, and then the story behind it being part of that trilogy, I believe, right, Joe? All right. Um, yeah, there's just too much there to not move them on, so. Pearl Jam movies on. Okay. So, Stevie, River of Deceit by Mad Season or Nearly Lost You by Screaming Trees? Had you put Dollar Bill by Screaming oh, Trees, oh, yeah. this would have been way harder for me. But because you didn't, <laughs> River of Deceit stands out. We need Lane in here anyway. So, um, yeah. unless you've got some Alice following this, but uh, River of Deceit, great song, amazing. His voice. Uh, that's another one that at that time when he came out, it was just like, my God, you know, I mean, with the uh, unplugged, incredible mm-hmm. empty chair. I mean, it was just like um, he he was just such a standout at that time. So mad season for me. River seat. All right. JPP. Well, we did some. Uh past recaps with screaming trees not too long ago and and you know admittedly then i said i hadn't given them the fair shake that they deserved um so they really weren't on my radar nearly as much as as lane and mike mccready who is a badass guitarist so that said from the historical standpoint i'm going to have to go with mad season and i still owe screaming trees a a thorough listen Mm -hmm. all right joe i'm gonna go with mad season as well uh, but I like your bracket because you have Mud Honey and Screaming Trees, and they are just the people that I feel like everybody went mainstream. And and I don't want to say poor old Mud Honey because they did okay, but Mud Honey and Screaming Trees are kind of the ones that, unless you got into the second layer of grunge, you maybe didn't know about them as well right. as some of the others. Mm-hmm. And I know it's, it's another super group situation, and you got look at all the people that these bands have in common. <laughs> you know, that yeah. season had Screaming Trees members, Pearl Jam members. Uh, pretty fascinating little lineup here but i love yeah. the song oh i love it all the way around the riff the the opening guitar sounds the lyrics the fact that we played it in jazz band when i was in high school uh, the whole <laughs> thing it was great <laughs> nice mm-hmm. yeah no yeah and like you said i feel like 
some of these bands were they just kind of stayed their course and maybe didn't rise up in commercial success but they were every bit as good and um screaming trees I, I might be wrong but they might i think they made the Eagles soundtrack which was like the grunge album for us were they on there yep. do you remember on singles yeah yeah they were okay so i thought but that said um i was such a big lane staley fan and when mad season came out you know it wasn't back in the internet where you knew everything was going to happen before it even happened so it was kind of a shock to me that it even happened i hadn't read any articles or anything and uh it was fantastic so mad season that was unanimous right that moves on clean sweep yeah I remember yep. we used to have to wait for Rolling Stone and Spin to come out so we'd get all the latest details. <laughs> I know. Just what yep. we're working on. Yeah. All right. Last part of round one. All right. Stevie. Killing me. <laughs> Allison Chains, Man in the Box versus L7 Shit List. Yeah, this these two are no brainers for me. This is easy. Man in the box. Um, my God, even that video was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I just—it's hard to for me to pick anything against Alice in Chains. They were just so good and they were so special. So Alice in Chains for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, JPP. This one kills me because I love L Seven. Shitless mm-hmm. is a great tune. Wasn't that in Natural Born Killers? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that yep. was a good moment with that riff, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, that's such a great, great album. But, you know, Allison Chains will certainly win out for me, too. Um, this was probably my second round of, of bulky order from Columbia House. This this album came in that mix, and I burned it in the ground. I still have the original copy, and I, I listen to it constantly. Great from cover to cover. Every song on there was fantastic. And just Jerry Cantrell's lead in that song is really, really cool. That's what turned me on to the neck pickup is that lead. <laughs> nice. All right. Joe. Yeah, I'm going to pick Man in the Box as well. Uh, opening riff, wah solo, two voices. What the hell are these guys doing? <laughs> Melt your 14 year old face off when you heard it. It was, <laughs> it was so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising. I'm going to go that way too. Um, Paul, you mentioned Columbia House. I always found it funny because you have to pick like 12. Yeah. So it'd be all these like, heavy things and grunge things and they have one left and I just okay the new Bobby Brown we'll just see what that's like (laughs) (laughs) that's your prerogative (laughs) (laughs) but Uh, (laughs) I too am moving Allison Chains on now and Paul so far you've got the best comment Uh, once in a while do you not have that queued up so you can do a drum roll for somebody (sighs) it's a union gig man they only let me do so much yeah (laughs) Yeah. Once in a while, uh, X103 would forget to... Can I say X103 since we're on 98.5? 98.5 would never do this. No, um, right. Forget to edit the um, man in the box. And the you know, yeah. once in a while on the radio, the dog's nose would get shoved in shit. So that was mm-hmm. that was extra badass. In spit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's true. Okay, Stevie. Uh Mother Love Bone, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, or Candlebox, Far Behind? Um, I love Far Behind, and uh, I, I just was so surprised Candlebox never went on after that. But um, if you remember back when we were going to ask questions of people alive or dead, and I picked Andrew Wood, because um, mm-hmm. he's I think one of the most fascinating people that came out of that entire 
late eighties, early nineties. And uh, mother love bone is one of my favorite bands. Um, so, I mean, it's a slam dunk Chloe dancer. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. So, um, it's an easy one for me. Okay. Good call. JPP. This is also tough. Candlebox was one of those bands at the time when they came out, I wasn't really feeling them, but they grew on me. And, you know, I believe his name is Kevin Martin, the singer, killer, killer voice. And they're they're solid, solid ass band. But I definitely had Mother Love Bone in my my collection and they got some pretty heavy, heavy rotation there for a while. So I have to go with them just because of the fact that they kind of won right out of the gate where Candlebox took a little time. But uh, that doesn't mean Candlebox wasn't any good. Hey, Paul, do you kind of feel like. For me, Candlebox feels like the band that you can listen to the record. It just sounds good, mm-hmm. but I never felt the need to really dig in much. Yeah. There weren't layers there. So there was something missing, but they just sound good. Like you put it on and it sounded like a good record. Yeah, yeah. And friends have told me that I've seen them in, in small clubs that they're a great live band. So, you know, if you take what they play in the studio, they translate it live very well, too, especially in an intimate setting. So kudos to them for that. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. Joe, uh, both halves of uh, Chloe Dancer and Crown of Thorns are equally good. There's that's such a good tune. Um, yeah. I've got to got to advance that one. I was never a huge Candlebox fan. It's kind of like Steve said, you got surfacey with them, and then that was that was okay. But I never really yeah. got too deep into their catalog. Yeah, that's fair. For me, Candlebox was one of those things. Speaking of that, I re- I remember reading about them in Rolling Stone and immediately went to Discount Den in Muncie and there was one copy and I bought it and it was, and I loved it, but I, I think you guys have a great point because Mother Love Bone, I mean, it's moving on for me anyway, just out of respect for the, you know, what spun off of Mother Love Bone, but um, in its own right, that the, like Joe said, both halves of that is they're great songs. And I think they kind of outweigh Candlebox on a, on a level of like what's, what's behind or what's underneath the surface. So, I will move that on as well. Okay, we have right made it through round one. Um, it should go pretty quickly from here <clears> because <throat> we've kind of said why we like some things, but it also gets tougher. I've given this to a couple of people. Stevie, <clears throat> so, Nirvana smells like Team Spirit or your band, Smashing Pumpkins, 1979. My band, not my band song. So, <laughs> um, seriously, I, I mean, 1979 was really hip. I love the one they did on the Grammys. You know, they had like the electric drums and it like had a little different bounce to it. And I really dug that. But yeah. overall, I didn't, that wasn't my song by them. So I just got to go with Smells Like Teen Spirit. It was so of the time and Weird Al made a great parody of it. So <laughs> Nirvana moves on for me. Okay. JPP. Funny you say that because my daughter is a now a Weird Al fan, and she got to see that video the other day. So she was yes. cracking up. So was my wife. Um, yeah, it's a tough call. I mean, I love the kind of the psychedelic guitar vibe of 1979. But hey, listen, when I was in high school, quick small story, my parents, you know, on the weekends, I'd have to ride with them late at night to deliver papers. It was kind of a side gig. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when farming money was tough, we, we did that. And so I was up three o'clock in the morning. My dad had the radio on to stay awake and smells like teen spirit came on. That's the first time I heard it. That was my, my Beatles moment. Right. So, um, and it stuck with me for a very long time. So that moves forward for me. Good deal. Joe. 
we're not doing this bracket if it's not for Nirvana. It smells like Teen Spirit, so that's 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 what's what got us here. So we got to move them on. True. Yeah. Pioneers. Yeah, I got to go with that too because uh, and exactly that when I was saying like, well, grunge. What defines it more? 1979 mm-hmm. or Teen Spirit and Nirvana is a clear choice. So I think 1979 on. might be one of their least grungy songs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, yeah. but. I tried to bury it too. I, mean, I have yeah. been a couple, but yeah, it is what it is. We'll have to do really a smash it. Bracket. Uh, all right. Now you go <laughs> head to head here Soundgarden, Black Hole Sun versus Temple of the Dog, Hunger Strike. Ooh, Chris against Chris. Mm. <laughs> Chris Cross. <laughs> Make you jump. Oh, um, <laughs> oh, good lordy, Bagordy. <laughs> yeah, um, it gets tough, well, it? since Vice Jamma moved on, apparently. Um, Great googly moogly. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Black Hole Sun. Okay. I'm sticking true to the band. That's fair. JPP? All right. So I, I got my disdain out for the video 20 times a day. I'm going to go with Black Hole Sun just because it's detuned and it's dark and really cool like that. And the drums are fantastic. Okay. Joe, what do you say? I'm going to go with uh, Temple the Dog, Hunger Strike. Yeah. Man. (laughs) (laughs) Tiebreaker Tony. Make it hard on you. (laughs) No, well, I just. I know know you want what's on my mind. Come on. Well, I mean, I feel like I hmm, that's so tough. But I guess if right now I had to leave the podcast for a while and go listen to music and do something, I would probably put Black Hole Sun on ahead of a Hunger Strike. So that's the only reason I'm picking it. They're tied in my mind, but mm-hmm. move Soundgarden on. All right, so Pearl yeah. Jam Alive, <laughs> Mad Season, River of the Sea. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> you like going first, don't you? <laughs> I don't even mind. You know, I'm going with Pearl Jam. Uh, I like I said before, it was such a game changer when that came out. That album will stand out as one of those that just hit me in such a sweet way. We've seen mm-hmm. them so many times in concert, and it's just glorious in concert. So I'm going to go with Alive. Paul. Yeah, I'm going to have to do the same thing. I mean, Mad Season's great, but you know, it was. It's funny because it's like the alternative movement at that time. This, this kind of was a, another wave of it, if you will. Even though it was still part of that first wave, but it's like you got Nirvana, and you got the grunge, and then Pearl Jam's like, you know, we're from the same area, but we can do it completely different. And so they were kind of fledgling and pioneering for their sound as well. So I got to give them a nod for that. Yeah. All right, Joe. I'll make it easy on you. I'm going to vote for live, so you can <laughs> however you want to do. However you want. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, Alive is just, it still wins out. It, as much as I love Mad Season, it's, I feel like if you were to see them in the 90s, you know, Mad Season would be opening for Pearl Jam, and rightfully so. So we're going to move it on. All right. Now we are at, sorry about that, guys. Yep. We're at Allison Chains, Man in the Box versus Mother Love Bone, Chloe Dancer, Crown Thorns. Maybe? That's a tough one. Uh, yeah. Again, though, I'm going. I'm going with Mother Love Bone because it absolutely is one of my favorites. God, it just uh-huh. creates such a mood. 
when he sings and he just kind of puts you in a place that doesn't maybe exist or certainly doesn't exist in your world, but I want to be there. So going with Andrew Wood and Mother Love Bone. Okay. JPP. <laughs> if that doesn't answer it for you, I was an octave too high, so I apologize. <laughs> I, was off each I clearly heard Mother Love Bump. Right? <laughs> yes, yes, you did. <laughs> Eat your oats, oats, oats. Yes, Alice and James for sure. Okay. Joe. I'm going to vote for Mother Love Bone. Okay. Well, I was going with Allison Chain, so I think we're tied, right? Uh oh. Uh huh. I guess we'll see. Let me see what Kyle picked here Mother Love Bone. Ooh. But it wasn't head to head with Allison Chain, so. Hmm. What did he have a head to head with? L7. Well, he already picked it over Mother or, or Allison Chain, so clearly. True. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mother Love Bone moves on. The upset. Yay! He was robbed. <laughs> All right, we're down to the final four, guys. So Here's the final four for people listening at home. We've got Nirvana and Soundgarden versus Mother Love Bone and Pearl Jam. So mm. Soundgarden, Black Wolf Sun. Nirvana smells like Team Spirit. Well, oh gosh. <laughs> okay, I feel like I feel like Smells Like Teen Spirit probably fits the bill better, but if I'm going by my favorite songs, I'm going to go with Black Hole Sun out of that grouping. I don't know if that was my answer or not. <laughs> it is my answer. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry, All Regis. Right. My bad. Okay. <laughs> so we got one for Soundgarden, right? Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. so, Paul? I need to phone a friend. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. I, I'm not going to drag it on. I'm going to pick Soundgarden only because while I loved Nirvana and I enjoyed everything they did, Soundgarden picked it up and took it a notch further for me, especially with drop tunings, with the off rhythms and really kind of blowing my mind with making songs have rhythmic cycles that um, Nirvana didn't do. Fair enough. Wow. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Soundgarden as well. Okay. Yep. Um, any reason on that? When I put Nirvana up against, like, you know, in the, in the previous bracket, up against, like, Smashing Pumpkins, you know, I can see Nirvana, the, the pioneering band, Nirvana, the, the innovators. But mm -hmm. kind of like what Paul said, like, carrying it forward, I, I thought I, I liked the personality of Chris Cornell more than I liked Kurt Cobain, just personally. I liked the overall Soundgarden <laughs> call it a brand. I don't know. I just I like that more than Nirvana. I liked Nirvana, but they were honestly, you know what? They weren't one of my favorite bands. So, well, there you go. Well, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm, I go back and forth because I'm trying to look at it from just these two songs and what they meant at the time. But yeah, same. I love Nirvana. I do, but there's something about the way that Chris Cornell writes, sings, and the way the guitars sound on on Soundgarden that resonate more with me. So shockingly, I think we're moving Soundgarden on unanimously. If you had asked me in the beginning right. if we would have Soundgarden in the final two, I'd have been like, no, probably not. 
Right. <laughs> That's why we do it. That's why we play the games. Mm-hmm. All right. And now we've got the kind of like uh, father versus son type thing here with Pearl Jam coming out of Mother Love Bone. So Pearl Jam Alive versus Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns by Mother Love Bone. <laughs> exactly. I'm probably going to get outvoted here, and that's fine because these are two amazing songs. But I'm going to go with Chloe Dancer. I just that album, that song is so special to me that got to go with it. Okay. Andy Wood for the win. <laughs> Paul, I'm going to insert pun and say, "Hold me closer, Chloe Dancer." <laughs> However, that's that go- not funny. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Dad <laughs> jokes. Funny to me. That's why I made it sound. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna go with Alive. I'm gonna go with Pearl Jam on that, just because it it carried longer with me. Mm-hmm. All right, Joe. Uh-oh. I am gonna vote for Mother Love Bone. What? Yeah. Okay. Joe's I breaking am. ranks. I am. I thought it was gonna be a slam dunk. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. yeah. As Joe's much as I Enigma love... wrapped in a riddle. <laughs> as much as I love that song. I feel like Pearl Jam was just a just a level above Mother Love Bone. So we have another tie. Let's see, let's see what Kyle said. Uh, he had Mother Love Bone. Would you look Still. at that? <laughs> you just gotta look at it. <laughs> That's all you can do. Just look at it. All right. Well, I would not expect this for our final round. No, that's hilarious. <laughs> We've got Mother Love Bone, Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns versus Down Garden's Black Old Sun for the Wanderings and Will Gathering, winner of the Battle of the Bands. All right. <laughs> We've taken it this far, so I'm going with it again. Mother Love Bone. I think Andy Wood led it all. He started it off. He was art personified, and I think he was kind of kind of kindled the whole movement. and. Yeah. I think a lot of people can look back and and see him as the beginning of that. So I'm going with Mother Love Bone, Chloe Dancer. Let's do this. Good call. Okay. Paul. Black Hole Sun still. I yeah. uh, it's a tough one, but I'm uh, that's where my gut's going. I'm gonna have to go with that. I could be wrong, but Black okay. Hole Sun. All right, Joe. I'm gonna stand by Mother Love Bone from the last round. Okay, that sounds fair. And people, people don't think grunge is tender, but let me tell you something. It has its own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, even in my last answer when I took Pearl Jam over love, Mother Love Bone, I feel like if Chris Cornell were here today, he would even vote for Mother Love Bone. He would step aside and give the respect back to Andy Wood. So I'm going to crown Mother Love Bone. Like- <laughs> that's that's me failing. Pick. I'm failing. Pick. Yep. So, but Mother Love Bone is the winner. I really think there that's kind go. of appropriate in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thanks for playing, guys. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. I think, and people will see this, but I think what we need to do is post the empty bracket. On the Wanderings page, we'll post it on Twitter, and let's see if anybody out there can find can figure out what our final two are. If they can come down, can pick before we 
and I'll wait a day. We'll we'll post this on Tuesday. We'll wait one day. If anybody can pick the final two that we have, we will mail them a Wanderings and Wool Gathering T-shirt. Yep. Sounds good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Those T-shirts are safe. <laughs> safe in the vault. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so. No, some clever person out there is going to get it. You watch. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that, that was a great challenge. I hope we do another one like that soon. That was a lot of fun. Uh, agreed. That was great. Thanks. Yeah. And I think I think we should do with bands as well. And I also feel like I should get a little bit of kudos because I didn't do a bracketology of the best Nine Inch Nails songs. This is true. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run your cast over so you don't break your arm patting yourself on the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well done, T-Bags. That was awesome. Thanks, you guys. It was fun. All right. Uh, next week. Gosh, I didn't know <laughs> who has the challenge. Somebody here. Has we are challenge. so on point tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, there will be a challenge next week, and it's now going to be live because <laughs> we can't tell you who it is. <laughs> so let's get down to the business of the week, which is to review Mushroom Head. Had a new album out, A Wonderful Life. Uh, came out about the same time as Lamb of God, which we did last week. Uh, both albums start off almost identically and then veer drastically after the first song. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure what to expect coming into this record because Mushroom Head has always been kind of the uh, kind of a, a heavy metal, you know, growling band. But they've always been a little bit experimental. They've always done things a little bit differently. Of course, my love for mask bands continues because they wear masks. You know, they've been compared. Uh, with Slipknot for years, um, which isn't really a fair comparison because they were very different musically. But the interesting thing about this record is there's only one original member left. They, they began in 1993, but the drummer, uh, Steve Skinny Felton, is the only original member. The other two founding members left after their last record. So kind of a new beginning of sorts with this one. And uh, it is definitely... An eclectic mix, wouldn't you say, guys? For sure. For sure. Yes, for sure. Can you lead us, Stevie? <laughs> you guys are cracking me up. Uh, for sure. Yes, that is correct. Yes, that's Quite. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Concur. Finally, something we can all agree upon. <laughs> uh, one further little interesting note is, so they have three singers, which is interesting in itself. And I think they use the, the three singers very well, actually. I mean, they, they are all over the place doing different things. But one of them, the clean singer, male singer, was a roadie, is now yeah. one of their singers, which is kind of a cool little thing. I guess uh, your hard work pays off. I did not know that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I wonder how that feels to carry gear and then get up on stage. You carry <laughs> my gear now. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> carrying gear. <laughs> And, yeah, and the the female singer, uh, she has been with them since 2014, but she just now is an official member, Jackie LaPanza. So, um, yeah. and it sounds like the writing of this record went really well, and it was a full eight member ensemble activity. They all had 
some say in the record and it they all got a chance to shine which was really cool and the record i think is pretty cohesive in in the message i think if you go back from song to song and you look at some of the lyrics even the latin songs or the latin parts of the songs they all kind of connect which is kind of pretty cool and there were some highlights i think i picked up along the way but overall i thought it was a pretty good record yeah i did too i enjoyed it actually I wasn't sure going into it because I'm not. I wasn't super familiar with them, but um, it was nice. Uh, it was nice to sit down and listen to and take notes on and dig deep to it. So I don't know how you guys want to review it, but I'll follow your lead, Steve. Well, is anybody had anybody had any experience with them before? No, I I really didn't. And full disclosure, <clears throat> when they came out at that time, I was. Well, I say that when they came, they've been around since 93, but when I became aware of them, I should say, I was kind of moving on to other styles of music and taking a bit of a break from metal. So when I saw the band in a magazine, the first thing I, I did see was, oh, oh, another Slipknot, you know, and it, so that kind of tarnished my perception right out the gate. But um, never really followed them, never gave them much of a chance, never listened or anything like that. And so when they came back around, now that we're doing this, I, I just kind of dug into a little bit and started listening and went back and started listening to some of the, the previous efforts too. So I can definitely see a change um, in, in this record versus some of the previous releases for sure. And having uh, an almost complete personnel change will certainly lend to that for sure. Um, so it definitely took me in a different direction that I did not see coming from, from the band's look and their band title to say the least i didn't um, know mushroom head except for like all kind of mentioned comparisons with guys like slipknot maybe corn does that sound right but i never paid him much mind uh either so it was it was new for me yeah it was lumped into that new metal vein for sure yeah there i think this one has i, th I think you listen to a number of different songs and see different band influences in those songs uh, which was kind of cool, I guess. And I think they did a lot of different things really well. It was kind of like they threw a lot of stuff against the wall and most of it stuck. There were a few things I, I wasn't totally digging, but for the most part, I thought they did a pretty nice job. And I thought the lyrics and the message held up well enough to this was a pretty cohesive record, especially for a record of 17 songs. So let's start this way. Were there any tracks that just stood out that you really enjoyed? I'll jump in because... I really liked the heresy. I loved the piano and uh, the female vocalist. I really liked uh, every song she was on, but um, and the lyrics were kind of poetic. And yeah, that was a, that was a standout track for me. Anybody else have that one down? No. I listened. I did listen to that one. Let me get my notes here. Sorry. Well, you're looking for that. That was definitely one of mine. And I, what I kind of dug about this song is it's obviously calling out those powers that you know, misrepresent the people and abuse their powers. But kind of like the last record that we listened to with uh, Lamb of God, it, it calls into account the, the listener, that we play a role. Um, and it said, every time you hide in denial, we feed the war machine. It's time we stand for something, walking hand in hand. I kind of dug that whole thing that we're, you know, rallying us, that we play a part, you know, and calling us out for our inaction, which I think is kind of cool. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the, what I basically wrote was, you know, with Miss Jackie, it was the first time I was listening to her and it was an interesting tune. And, you know, much to like what you're saying with the Lamb of God, I really wanted to be on that episode, but uh, discovered that we had a leak in our roof. It was coming from our attic in the garage. And I was like, oh, man, I can't jump on and talk about this. But anyway, um, nonetheless, since you mentioned that, um, the thing with with this album that kind of heresy was the first initial piece that kind of put that puzzle together for me and tied in the rest of the album. There's a lot of cool moments. There's a lot of cool orchestration. Of course, they're using synths and orchestral sounds to kind of give it that triumphant and symphonic presence and choir and things like that. But I kind of felt like with Lamb of God, I mean, it was in your face. It was dynamic. You, you definitely got a, a chest pounding from hearing that. Um, this kind of fell flat to me. And it's not an insult to to the performance, but I just kind of felt like things stayed kind of linear. The vocals didn't really embellish with much expression. Um, things kind of stayed. The, the pitch was a little monotone in that regard with the melodies, and, and there wasn't any really accentuations of of words um that i heard in in some of those cleaner parts per se where you know of course lamb of god is kind of abrasive and screaming in your face you definitely felt the riffs you felt moments and and there was things that kind of transitioned a little more cohesively to me from that yeah this is the fourth track on the album i believe and yes for me the by the time they got to the fourth track there had been too many elements thrown my way and I, I wasn't, it just wasn't taken hold with me by then. So uh, I think this is the first one with the, with the female vocals. And mm -hmm. I, I was kind of sick of surprises at that point. I know it's kind of early in the album because my God, there's 71 tracks, I think. And that's funny. I didn't know that. Um, I have 17 <laughs> really. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I, I I gave up pretty early, so I'm gonna sit yeah. back. It, it, I don't know that this was my fetch the bolt cutters like Monday. Um, <laughs> I don't think this was my new Wilco, but you know, I just I had trouble. <laughs> I struggled. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I will say that, that all of those are fair points because even the stuff that I like and I did like it. I'm not throwing it all under the bus, but it felt long. You know, like when we ask at the end, would you listen to it again? I would listen to half of it again, you know? So, um, but yeah. And then uh, somewhere in the text string that we were all texting back and forth, um, Steve, I think you said to the front would be my favorite. And I was, I was expecting something kind of funny, you know, like you guys were tricking me, but to the front was actually pretty good for me. Paul probably knows that I would like this buildup of noise, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you called it. That was, that was a, uh, Tied as one of my top tracks. Yeah, that had a nine inch nailsy feel. You know. Yeah, it did. So. Yeah, it, it definitely had. It was dramatic with with um, you know a lot of dynamic buildup and stuff. So that was one of the rare moments for me that I, I noticed that, and um, it was certainly cool. You know, it didn't really skew away from key very much. It definitely stayed on that low open string sound. Um, I'm I'm not sure if they're in D or E or C, but you know it was definitely bottom heavy and and there's nothing wrong with that but um you know it just certainly kind of stayed within a, a form and stuck with it and just ramped up yeah gotcha i loved pulse i don't know if you got there but this one was there were two songs that were sort of long 
sort of like I don't know, they were highly structured. I thought this one had a really poetic chorus. That all who wish to rise may rise again to touch stars and fly upon the wind. For those who know the most tragic of ends is not to die, but never to have lived. I kind of like that whole concept. And Pulse was all over the place. It started off, it went another place, it came back. I thought it was one of those that it meandered enough, but they they kept it constrained to where it was really, I thought, a pretty effective song. Yeah, I, I really liked Pulse too. And the track before it, What a Shame, kind of had this interesting Dresden Dolls type piano to it, and that kind of mm -hmm. continued into this song. So um, I really like that, the Dresden Dolls as a piano with the vocal treatment. And um, yeah, I'm with you. It kind of it had cinematic feels and how it would kind of swell and go different places. So yeah, that was another one of my top tracks. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of wrote down that you know, not having not seen them live, it makes me curious if there's a theatrical element to the live set that um, these songs kind of will play along with. You know what I mean? Um, much like, although I'm making the comparison to Operation Mindcrime because that was certainly a very theatrical tour and production for Queensrÿche, um, I can see similarities where this has that potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. I was uh, interested in a song like this. I, I don't know if they're recovering Catholic. I don't know if they've, you know, had upbringing in the, obviously they know a lot about religion enough to rage about it, which I mean, to me, I can, that's fine. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's been played out, you know, and you've got to be really good. If you're going to go that route lyrically, I think you've got to be, you got to say something fresh. Um, otherwise I think it kind of comes off a little junior high, like, the kid that's made to go to youth group or something, because otherwise you're just, you know, it's, I don't want to say low hanging fruit. Cause that sounds like, um, it, it's just been, it's been said before. And if you're going to, if you're going to bring that as your topic. So it kind of made me wonder where they were coming from, like frame reference life experience wise. And I don't know it, they threw the punch. I don't know that it landed so much. I mean, I, I get where they're coming from, but. Um, yeah. He said he was, he's spiritual. I think they like to call out leaders who, who lead people astray. I think it's kind of where a lot of this comes from because there's a lot of songs talking about different sorts of leaders and dignitaries and people who lie to you and, and lead you astray. But yeah, he, he specifically said that um, he's not religious, he's spiritual. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of that comes from. But to Joe's point, if it would have been more honed in, you would, you would kind of get that. Cause I kind of got just the anti-religion overall. Mm -hmm too and you know if he's if he's leaving a room that there are good people that exist within the, the religious parameters and he's just talking about the people that choose to lead people astray you know that probably could have been articulated better but true is there any music so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> there's some latin at the end of pulse is there any idea what that means i didn't take the time to look it up I did not look that one up. I definitely looked up the two at the end, the Confutatus and Lacrimoso. Yeah, uh, yeah, what those meant? Yeah, well, the end of the album, as he gets to this Confuti, Confu, Confutatus, he talks about <laughs> searing flames, being doomed, and then he says, call me. And then Lacrimoso talks about rising from the ashes. Oh, okay. So there's like a positive spin at the end. He said he's a half glass full guy okay kind of his okay. point there but you know i'm a practicing catholic 
but uh, I also am a big fan of ghosts, so I can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I mean, I'm practicing Catholic, but you know, I like Marilyn Manson. So <laughs> we, we, we all have our things. Um, uh, I did no. like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, I was just going to say, there's several things that I put out there in my notes that I didn't necessarily love the song, but there are parts of other songs, like Another Ghost, um, the lyrics, somewhere between where your birth and death collide, buried beneath all the darkest thoughts inside. Um, you know, I do think there were times that they were really spot on and poetic with their lyrics. I just, it may not have liked the entire track itself. Yeah. I, th did you guys listen to The Time Has Come? I mean, it had a great piano entry. Yeah. Had a nice tempo break in the middle, and the chorus had a real system of a down feel. I don't know if you guys got that out of it. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And that piano was kind of haunting between verses. I thought that was a really cool song, and it was calling out messiahs, liars, dignitaries, being mm -hmm. that they are just like us, and they're going to die. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of a fun idea. That piano, you guys are probably more versed than I am, but that piano sounded a lot like Moonlight Sonata. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Like, I, so, I, I did a little Googling while you guys were talking. Um, the Latin in Pulse. Uh, popular translation is day reduced to ashes. Okay. Apparently hmm. it may okay. stem fr from a Latin hymn. But I definitely don't want to sound like when I'm picking some of these things apart that I didn't like it because there mm -hmm. were definitely parts I liked. And, um, and it's a solid effort for sure. So... I'm not throwing this under the bus, like I said. But that that those that pretty much rounds out my top tracks, though. I would probably condense it. I had like Madness Within, The Heresy, Pulse, The Flood, To the Front. And then I did like how it ended, too. It was just nice, a nice wind down. Yeah. I would, and, go ahead, sorry. Or, I, sorry, Paul. Call me whatever, as long as it's for dinner. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, again, like what Tony said, I mean, it's like I didn't hate it. Um, there was just elements where it's just like I just heard that much more. I just, you know, my ear wanted to go to a different direction with it. And, you know, maybe that's just my own expectations and feeling, you know, setting myself up for disappointment. But it's their album. They did what they wanted to do. But, you know, um, I think maybe after coming down off of Lamb of God, my ears were craving a little more something with, with intensity and I, I didn't get that. And so the, my mood may be affecting my perception as well. I think after Lamb of God, I was ready for a break. <laughs> well, the speed and anger. That's why we put that Dermot Kennedy uh, in, the, yeah. in the middle there as the palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I'm just going to talk about one more song. Well, actually, I'm going to talk about two. But one, I didn't love the the eleventh hour. I mean, it was, I th I felt like it was a very average song on the record. But I did mm -hmm. love, and I feel like these lines kind of encapsulate what the whole thing's about. Um, and he says, "Prophecies rust, envy, greed, pride, and lust. Where do you place your trust?" And I felt like that was kind of the the whole thing of the record. Is we've got these leaders. Do you trust them? We don't. I mean, they lead us astray. They lead us into war. Um, I mean, that the heresy talks a lot about that. So I kind of felt like that encapsulated a lot of what the album was about. But the other song that I really liked was Where the End Begins. And it had that sort of subdued harpsichord. I know in one song it did actually have a harpsichord. <laughs> and it sounded a little strange. And I didn't mm -hmm. love that. 
Um, but mm. here was more a little more subdued. Maybe it was a keyboard with some tricks. I don't know. But it was really soft and it played through. And then eventually, after the gunshots came, and we either went into war or whatever that was, then it came into like a sad guitar. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and I liked how they did that in the song because it sounded sort of bouncy at first with that keyboard sound, and then the guitar sound totally switched that that feel. I don't know if you guys listened to that one. Um, yeah, I, I listened to that one. Uh, that was a long track too, right? It was the second longest, yeah. That one and Pulse, I think, were the two longest. Yeah. So there were some cool parts. I liked uh, one thing that I think is a strength of this band is the fact that they have two really solid vocalists and they did a lot of singing together on that track or at least mm -hmm. kind of back and forth. And I think they even even dabbled in some harmonies. I was mm -hmm. I was totally thrown off. Maybe we came off Lamb of God. We got some real authentic screams. I was thinking about what Metalhead said about the 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 throaty like pukey scream sound but uh there was some stuff there were some times that i wanted something like that i think paul called it intensity you know but i think there was just some uh, uh like i wanted it to be a little bit more uh the production was really clean or something there was just like something missing there but i did like when the when they sang together um just kind of the unobstructed unfiltered vocalists together no screaming nothing like that and uh where where the end begins had some of that so i i did enjoy those parts um i think they could go that direction a little more i get why they have the screaming thing um there were just times i didn't want to hear it <laughs> it came up so um but i did like the vocals on this track so cool um i think one time that the the screaming and the clean worked for me is on sound of destruction it's a real fast back and forth between the two, the one guy's rap and the other guy's doing the growl. And I think that kind of worked all right. It was real crisp and clean and back and forth. And I think that worked speed wise. Mm -hmm. um, but I get your point on the rest. Yeah. And I dug the guitar tone on that one a lot too. Definitely. I like pretty full. There were some synths on that too, Paul, I think. Say what now? I think there were some synths on that too. Yeah. Yeah. There was some, some interesting, you know, synth textures and arrangements on, on that piece too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's do final thoughts. Score. Will you listen again, JPP? Had to unmute. Sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a three. Um, you know, kind of in the middle there, and I'll I'll give it another listen for sure when I can kind of set myself up for the for the mood of knowing that okay, it's not going to be the heavy stuff that you know my preconceived notion thought it was going to be, which. That's on me. And, you know, plus you see the band name, the masks, the logo and things like that. You're, you're certainly kind of expecting uh, something with a little more, you know, consistent <laughs> decibel level all the way across and, you know, angry guitars the whole time through. So, you know, to their credit, they, they're evolving. Artists are allowed to do that. And it was definitely i came in at a weird time where you know i don't i don't know what diehard mushroom head fans are thinking it'd be interesting to see what what's going in their heads as well um some things that this album reminds me of um that would have potential to to head toward would be like a group like porcupine tree i think i've mentioned them to you before foggy mm -hmm. um definitely worth a listen uh you know in that it has the uh 
you know, kind of the arrangements and changes direction here and there. And there's even another band called uh, Opeth, I believe, and Stephen Wilson from Porcupine Tree produced them. And they started off very heavy and growly and things like that and kind of evolved their sound over time. And it's um, very pleasant change. So, you know, maybe me catching them at this transition from previous efforts is what's making me kind of feel a little disjunct and I'm not trying to make excuses for it. I'm just trying to talk it out and make <laughs> sense of it. But at the end of the day, I'll, I'll give it a three and I, I'll give them another chance. Tea bags. Um, I gave them a 3.25 because I do think it was a solid effort. And there was, a, there was, there were enough tracks for me to go back and say, like I said, I'll listen to half of this again. So, um, yeah, 3.25, nothing more to say. <laughs> Joseph? I'm going to give it uh, one and a half thumbs up out of five. Uh, it's thumbs, right? Anyway, uh, sure. I will probably <laughs> not listen again. Um, I just, there was too much going on. I couldn't focus, and I didn't really have too many standout moments that I would go back and want to, you know, revisit that. But I also voted for mother love bone over pearl jam so i'm just my opinions may not they may be slightly off tonight so <laughs> all cred out the window <laughs> i voted for mother love bone too i'm gonna give this record a high rating so there <laughs> okay you can do what you want yeah um, and you know and honestly i didn't love it the first time i heard it because i was a little thrown off by his growl I mean, let's be honest, my growl is Corey's. I mean, that's that's a given. Mm -hmm. I listen to that constantly. And so that's what I love. So this was totally different. And it kind of, his does throw me off a little bit. But then what I loved is that they have two other vocalists and they came in and they shared the stage, I thought, pretty nicely. And the more I listened to it, the more I got into that groove and the more I liked it. And I'll be honest, I've listened to it. I've done a lot of work around the house and I listen to it every time. I try to listen as many times as I can before we review an album. And I've probably listened at least 15 times now. And so it does become a lot more comfortable the more you listen to it. And it doesn't become a surprise when you hear a harpsichord or a piano solo um, in this weird conglomeration that they've put together. And one thing that I really like about a group that's been around since 1993 and this is what I said when we reviewed We Are Not Your Kind, or, or if we reviewed a Metallica record. They are not the same group they were 30 years ago or 20 years ago or however many. They, they grow, they evolve, they change. And I like that. I like that bands try different things. I don't want to hear the same record I heard 20 years ago. And so if this group wants to branch out and had a funky Adams family harpsichord. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's check that baby out, you know? And mm -hmm. so I, I kind of dig that they've gone out and, and I'm willing to give them a couple of listens because they did that. And so I really like the record. I'm going to go with a four out of five and I will definitely listen again <laughs> because I've listened so much now. It's like, <laughs> it's become one of those things where it's like routine. Oh, I'm going to go out and mow the yard, better listen to mushroom head. <laughs> so, uh, so that's where I'm at right now. So I really liked it. And I like the eclectic nature of the record. The key question is, if you're mowing to Mushroom Head, what do the lines look like in your yard? Are they symmetrical? Are they kind of <laughs> wobbly? I mean, you know, 
yeah. the album it throws in a harpsichord, are you, are you treading differently <laughs> than you were during the guitar part? I just changed the level. Of the there play. you go. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, that was a good show. Great challenge. We're going to post that tomorrow. And uh, hopefully somebody will chime in and try to figure out who in the heck we picked for our final two. Sounds good. good. Next week's show is an enigma wrapped in a riddle like Mr. Rife. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so where like, do we find you guys? If, uh, if we're going to find you on social media, Joe, where do we find you? Uh, go to Instagram and uh, search for Ray 4 And that's uh, E-L-R-E-Y and then the number four. And it should pop up that I'm there. So perfect. Tea bags. Um, go to the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. And if you type something in, I will likely type something back. <laughs> it's likely. <laughs> <laughs> but is it highly likely? Yeah, you just don't know what you're going to get back. <laughs> type something. Yeah. That's nasty. Uh-huh. APP, where can we find you? Well, last time I typed something, I got JKFSD uh, colon S, uh, asterisk RTQR, all sorts of right. crazy characters. So, yeah, he just. Uh, he, his word. Like, yeah, just he, he, he mashes the keyboard and then just hits enter. So. <laughs> That's my keyboard is on the keyboard. Sorry about that, Paul. <laughs> hey, story of my life. <laughs> you can also find me typing eloquently on the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page or on Instagram under Just Plain Paul. Excellent. And I'm foggy. And I have no idea what we're reviewing next week. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. Anybody know? Bobby Brown, I think. Yep. yep. That works. <laughs> we'll be hopping around on something. I don't know. Indeed. All right. Well, you can find me over at Twitter, Instagram, at Foggy's Pal. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, and at rock985.com. And when you're done listening, don't forget to subscribe so you can never, ever, ever miss an episode. Until next week, a new challenge, a new Lester Bangs, and some kind of album review. We'll see you then. Bye now.